our life objectives are so similar. We like challenges. You know, we actually have quite a lot of fun at the same time when we're doing this stuff. And we can be really hard on each other. It's not that we're giving each other an easy ride. The misconception is that emotions run the business. There is a huge stigma of being a couple and being ambitious with business. It's one of the first things we tell people. And I think people then see us as a single entity. We kind of have a natural divide of resources and share the shit and, you know, the dogs get walked and somehow it works. We would definitely start another business of some description I together. I find it far easier working with someone that yeah. you live with. I'm Trisha Bacon and this is Between the Spreadsheets, a series of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples in love and in business. And with millions of them across the globe, this is definitely a thing. So as we bust open the myths that exist around being a couplepreneur, we'll be finding out what it's really like and just how they juggle work, life, love, and everything in between. Chris and I both, we didn't reach our full potential. So our ambition is to make it big, make it global. Make a difference. Make a difference. There's definitely impact. We know that the number of trees we save or like the amount of carbon we're absorbing for the use of bamboo, it's like impact. In this episode, we meet Julie Chen and Chris Forbes from The Cheeky Panda. After a holiday to meet Julie's family in Southeast Asia, an idea that had been percolating with Julie then became a reality and the company was incorporated in 2016. The Cheeky Panda creates sustainable products made from bamboo, the fastest growing plant on the planet. In just three and a half years, they have expanded to produce toilet tissue, facial tissues, kitchen towels, pocket tissues, paper napkins, baby wipes and handy wet wipes, all made from 100% natural bamboo. The Cheeky Panda is an award-winning brand with ambitious plans to grow and scale further. So welcome, Chris and Julie, to Between the Spreadsheets. When did you actually meet? Because I know you said you met on eHarmony. So when when was that? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, I have to ask you this question. Were you looking for Chris as a business partner? No. Or were you, or were you looking for a boyfriend? Or both? No, I, I was looking for someone to take me out for dinner. <laughs> and did you get what you wished for? Yes. I, There's yeah. no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> And when you think back to that eHarmony time and online dating, could you ever have imagined that you would go on to work with your sort of partner in love? No, but I always like people who think similar with me. So I, I definitely people who I can have a relationship is someone who can actually have some mental connection. So it's like we have to think alike. And because I quite like businesses, I run my own small business, so I would I like someone like that as well. But then, yeah, we didn't really. Yeah, I can't imagine that if you're going to meet someone, then you, then then you end up doing end a up business and, together yeah. and build it to a quite a significant size. What was the change, or was there a seminal moment or period? Did you start talking about this, I or like, I mean, clearly it was a it was a thing for you, and you were getting toilet paper delivered and testing things. I think we were running a different businesses, but I always ask Chris something when I stack or when I have some ideas. So 
and Chris do the same with me, isn't it? Yeah. And then we kind of sort of talk to each other about problems in businesses and ideas. And then I think I invited Chris to help me with the Cheeky Panda. Yeah, <laughs> I invited myself. Yeah, Chris become, oh, okay, then there's no brand now. And it's getting really excited. He's more excited than me. <laughs> yeah, and I really like the quality of the products. And, you know, it was one of those things, I will say that with ideas, there's a thing called a honeymoon period. And if an idea is still there after three months, it's likely to stick. And Julie had plenty of other ideas that didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, you know, you could see that when they started getting toilet roll delivered through the house and she said, and this is what this logo is going to look like and it's going to be called the Cheeky Panda. And, you know, it was, it was quite a serious thing. And I, I really liked the sustainability side of the business. It was kind of close to both our hearts. So it was just a natural thing to sort of say, okay, let's check if we can make a business out of it. And I think the crux point for us was in 2015 is we went to meet her parents and I said well if we're going to do a sustainable business and we've got to make sure that the back end's strong enough to you know both ethical and scalable. So how long did you have this idea of the bamboo toilet tissue business? I have it over a year actually probably longer but it's just like not concrete until a year before we actually launched because I was growing up in Asia and we used lots of bamboo. So while I was doing my online business, I, I was thinking about launching another online website retailing the bamboo products because it's so sustainable. But then we didn't really do anything until we went to China to visit my parents. And tell us what happened then, because I think I remember, Chris, you were saying that Judy had talked about the business, but as you say, you you hadn't seen it or touched it or really fully understood what, yeah, what, what happened. Yeah, you need to sell an awful lot of toilet tissue to make any money out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So we needed to know that we could sell an awful lot of it. But, you know, we both had our own businesses, so if you're going to divert your time and effort, you need to know that it's going to be worthwhile. When we went to China from the airport to where the factory was, it was like about a five-hour drive, and all along the way was bamboo forest. So we went, well, we're not going to run out of this anytime soon. And then when we got to the factory, you know, we suddenly found it was like using closed-loop manufacturing. So the steam from the pulping process was then used to regenerate the electricity and all the water was being recycled. And it actually had built in all the green ethics that you look for. And so at that point, when we knew the scale was there and there was ethical practices sitting all throughout the supply chain, we went, okay, let's try this then. And just tell me what you were doing. I know you said you were both running your own lifestyle, lifestyle business. Yeah. So, so what, what were you both doing before? So we were both working from home. I was running online shoe business, retailing shoes online. Chris was running his own boutique headhunting business, supplying quality human resource to financial services. Yeah, and consultancies. And while well, it paid very well, I wouldn't say that I'd reached my potential. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> no. Tell us more about that, Julie. You saying definitely um, not? Yeah, Chris, sense? Chris should be running a team of people, and that's why I see what he can do, but not just only work three hours a day or even less. Yeah. We used our two original businesses to help fund the creation of the Cheeky Panda. Okay. So the, the Cheeky Panda started almost like a side hustle, whereby we'd sort of spent half our time on Cheeky Panda and then half the time on our um, existing businesses and 
And then as we started to see the cheeky panda grow and then you know, the interest in it really sort of take off, we kind of realized that we had something quite big in our hands. So we were like, okay, let's maybe try to exit the original businesses. So Julie, she just basically wound down her company. I managed to sell my company. And now we're full-time in Cheeky Panda. Yeah, I'm so Chris yeah. got lots of time so he can help me. Five hours spare every day and I saw I can recycle his time. <laughs> and I love I love that. You're already thinking about recycling that time before just need to get rid of that before other business. That other lifestyle yeah. business. Over what time period was that? How long did that take from we're starting the cheeky panda to you both? letting the other businesses go or selling the other business? Once we'd done the trip to China, then we decided we were going to set up the Cheeky Panda. But we weren't able to take a salary from the Cheeky Panda for the first 18 months. So we do almost still had to run the other companies because that's how we were making a living. And even when we started to take a small salary from it, it still really wasn't enough to pay the bills. So we, I certainly had to continue with my thing until this year, which I'm sort of mostly hands off of it now. Almost a three and a half yeah. year period for me. Yeah, so almost since beginning, yeah. it, since the beginning, since the beginning of January two thousand sixteen, when it was incorporated to, to pretty much now. Yeah, so, to present day. Yeah. So how does that feel now, having released yourself from the other business, not least that Julie's got you in the business full time and yeah. all those hours? How was it managing everything in terms of the hours that you have in a day, and how you managed setting this operation up whilst? needing to fund the other businesses to live. I put someone else to help manage my own business for a while and then I can concentrate on Cheeky Panda so I virtually do it for a time and then I managed to get a lot of things done when we initially we hire an intern to help out with things and then slowly we managed to hire more people. Yeah and we did capital fundraising as well, so sold well. some equity, and then the equity allowed us to grow quite quickly. And if we hadn't raised money in equity, yeah, then we wouldn't hard. have been able to hire the people, and then we wouldn't have been able to grow the turnover. So for us, we didn't want to try to get to where we are now over like seven to ten years. We want to get there quite quickly, and we're fortunate enough that some of the contacts that I'd made from my city days were able to become early stage angel investors. The thing is, when you grow a business like this, then you, you need other people around you to do it. You can't do it all yourself. And you know, originally Julie was doing all the operations and all the finance, and you know, it's totally not a good use of her time. And you know, it's, it's all about sort of bringing in people to complement the skills that you need at the time, and then help taking it to the next level. Yes. Just tell us on that. What are your particular roles? Are they defined roles within the Cheeky Panda, and how different are they? today, three and a half years on from kind of day one back in January So 16. I basically did all the brand and also early stage sale to the retailers. So I focus on sales and marketing and today I still focus on sales and marketing. Yeah, and I kind of did business sales and, sort of and the finance side of things, PR as well. So I do sort of finance, PR. I still do a bit of sales, but less so today. And how many people today are in the Cheeky Panda, because I know you mentioned, Julie, earlier that you went from the two of you to then getting an intern, Mm -hmm. and how has the business developed? Again, coming back to your point, Chris, about you you didn't want to to grow over a seven to ten year period, so that meant 
seeking funding from a very early area. So, t- so tell us about that growth in terms of, of people. So we hire an uh, intern. She's still working with us today. Not as an intern, no. She's full-time sales. Um, so well, maybe we can just break it down to the time period. So 2017 was when we hired our first intern. And then in 2017, we raised half a million pound in seed capital from Cedars. And then from that point, we then hired an additional three other people. So in 2017, we went up to five people. In 2018, we added a couple more in, and we did a one million pound media deal with Northern and Shell. And then that took us to about seven people. And today, there's 10 people in the company. And we just raised one and a half million pound in May back on Cedars for our sort of Series B. But if you actually look at the company now, I think in 2017, we were doing around about £20,000 a month in sales. By the middle of 2018, we were doing £50,000 a month. And now if you sort of fast forward to sort of 2019, we're doing around about £250,000 to £300,000 a month. So we've grown, you know, like sort of 400, 500% year on year. And it's not just the jobs that we've created, because we, we've got a core team that sits in Cheeky Panda. But if you look at all the people that are involved in the supply chain and all the people that are involved in the manufacturing and we've created well over 100 jobs so if you include the supply chain partners and the other pieces and it's actually quite a big operation i think we on average we're bringing in around about 100 tons of finished product a month from selling that and is this on budget we we kind of spend money quite carefully anyway so we're not like spend money on things we shouldn't be spending we make decisions on hire when we need it, and not because we just want to hire yeah, we, people. We, we don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, we grow with the curve rather than ahead of it or behind it. Yeah. So when we get to certain turnover, we know, okay, we can afford this per- next level of next investment. Next level of person, so we would do that. But we get to profit before we scale. Every time, you know, we basically get to all right, that was the goal, sort of going from 20 to sort of 50,000. Okay, that gives us like an extra five, 10,000 pounds worth of monthly spend. Let's reinvest it back into the company. And, you know, now that we're sort of sitting at sort of 250, then it's kind of like, okay, let's let's invest some more back into the company. And mm-hmm. the way you grow the company is you invest back into it. We, we still don't take much money from the company. We're still putting most of the money back into the company. But we are hiring a finance executive, so uh, this person will help us manage budget and everything. Yeah, it's getting a little bit more department budgets now, isn't it? So so there was like point we need to. There was like one company budget originally, and now that we're getting to this scale, then we're sort of we're creating a budget for like marketing, creating a budget for sales. Yeah, different countries get different budgets. Mm. And how easy was it? to to go out and seek the funding and um, what did that really entail as a consumer brand it's very good to be able to raise capital for a consumer brand because it's something that people can touch and feel if you're running like a services business then it's a little bit more intangible in terms of like you know how that business grows and then how you can exit that type of business so i think the fact that people could look at the brand and touch and feel the brand and, and like the products that we were creating and then understand how it makes money, then you know, tissue business isn't exactly the most sophisticated product in the world. It's not like machine learning or artificial intelligence, right? You know, basically we, we buy and sell bamboo tissue products. So from that point of view, the investors got behind it quite quickly. And everybody that we ever talked to about investing in the company all loved the idea. 
and at each stage, whether it was 2017, 2018 or 2019, 50% of people decided to invest and 50% of people would like to invest but didn't like the price. But it's a pretty good strike ratio. And your reason for going down the cedars in a crowdfunding route? We got a better price than what we would have done by going to a private equity house. It's not like we didn't have lots of private equity houses interesting or venture capitalists interested. It's more a case of we got a better price and it's good for the shareholders that if we can show strong yield at each stage in the, in the curve. And you said you've just gone through another round and you raised how much in the, in the recent raise? In total it's about 1.7 million. I mean that values a company at 25 million. So if you, if you looked at the reason behind like why we've invested our time in this, I mean we were actually making more money in our previous jobs but we, the value of the equity in the companies was pretty much non-existent mm-hmm. and today the equity value is huge. So it's put us in a very good position. And what is the overall aim for the business? The overall aim is to be a global brand. That's be a listed. leading brand, because paper industry is been dominating by a couple of key players key, key for a long time, for like decades. And I think it needs a change. And what we aim to do is to be the change, to be the leading brand going forward. And that's what we aim to do. And to what extent has it been challenging coming into a marketplace which is, you know, excuse the pardon, but saturated, and it feels like you're disrupting an industry sector. And again, there's lots of couplepreneurs and entrepreneurs and other co-founders out there that are doing a, a similar thing insofar as they are coming in as couplepreneurs or as smaller people with little brands and creating waves. And that's what I, I sense that you're doing. Well, with couplepreneur business, it can be small or it can be big. We just want a lifestyle like what we have before we like we didn't have to work too hard um, and spend a few hours working, still got good income. And you can do it that way. But for us, it's to we like challenges. And I think Chris and I both, we didn't reach our full potential in terms of what we can do. So our ambition is to make it big, make it global. Make a difference. Make a difference. There's definitely impact. Um, there's definitely like we know that the number of trees we save or like the amount of carbon we're absorbing for the use of bamboo is like impact. When you get people sort of writing in saying thank you for making a difference and stuff like that, then you, you really do feel it. It's not just about the money for us. It's actually we you know we're we're a force for good at the moment, and we want to continue to be a force for good. And you know we actually have quite a lot of fun at the same time when we're doing this yeah. stuff. You know we get to go to some really cool places and hang out with some really cool people. We both work really hard and some evenings we still work. It's not like you can just have an idea and then see how it goes. If you want to take it serious, there's a lot of hard work has yeah, to be Yeah, and risk it. as well. I mean, we didn't pay ourselves for 18 months. Yeah. And, you know, that's, at the end of the 18 months, money was getting tight, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, you, you've been basically bleeding your resources for that period of time. So we put a lot of risk into it. But naturally, myself and Julie, we complement each other in terms of our skill set. So we, was Julie sort of really good at brand and design and marketing, and and I've kind of got like a good strategy and finance. And personality-wise, we balance off each other. I think if we were both exactly the same in terms of the skills that we had, we'd probably argue quite a lot. Mm-hmm. There'd be quite a lot of conflict. We're not really sort of argumentative people, are we? We're quite sort of measured and sort of thoughtful. But I think if we had a couple that always were at a high stress level and quite like the emotional friction between each other. I don't think that's necessarily a good fit for business. So could you imagine the Cheeky Panda being created 
by you, Julian, another co-founder that wasn't Chris? If I was doing that alone, I would just do something really silly. I would just go to Dragon's Den and offer like 20% for 50,000. That's all I would have done. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have retained the equity and you wouldn't have got the value. Yeah, I, I'm not very good in terms of this kind of thing. So what do you think is the strength of you being a couplepreneur? Chris, meet the right people and then know we're, we're, the right we're, people. So we're, we're panda hats as well. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're panda hats. So. And I'm more soft of I I'm quite technical. So so Chris is more on the human side of thing and business uh, between people he's really good. So Chris emotional intelligence is really high. Whereas I would say I probably slightly higher on the IQ side of things, but not necessarily as high as Chris in interpersonal skills yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm better at the PR side of things. Yeah. Is there a CEO and a COO role here? So somebody who is the visionary versus somebody who's making it happen? I'm the CEO. Okay. Yeah, so I'm the vision. I'm the vision. Yeah, it's your brand, yeah. It's your, yeah. It's your idea. Isn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, Chris tried to put some ideas into it and strategy into it, but it's kind of off the... <laughs> it's off the center. So in the very first beginning, Chris tried to build a brand in the business to business se- sector. Why I say, well, this is consumer brand. We definitely have to sell to supermarkets and high street retailers. So we had to bet and see who wins. And then I was winning him by like 400%. I thought I could go and get all the big buildings like yeah, the Shard or like, yes. you know, or Canary Wharf and yes. they would all do it because it's a good carbon play. But, you know, I mean, the, the sector's quite slow moving in business yes. and like, you know, we've been doing it this way for so yes. many years and wait in line and stuff like that, where it's kind of like yeah, retail moves faster. Because it's my idea, I know exactly where it should go and how should we do it. Whereas if someone else to run this idea, it's not necessarily going to be as unique as what we're going to do. Yeah, and I think also if, if we'd really known how much money it would take to play in paper, then we probably wouldn't have done it. We thought we, thought, we, we thought we would like buy a container, sell a container, buy another one. Wouldn't it be great, right? And then when you're sort of looking at £300,000 worth of sales, then you've got to run £1.5 million worth of supply chain. And if you'd have said to me in 2016 that you need to be able to come up with £1.5 million just to run a £300,000 sales ledger, I would say, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. We didn't know enough about the sector to disrupt it, and that's how a lot of the disruption happens, is you kind of go into it. But the money became available to us at the right points in time through the network. But you know, if we'd have known that how much money it would consume to run a business like this, we definitely would have thought twice about it. And how scary was that when you realised what it was going to take? And, and, what, we, and, what, and what made you embark on that? So we run this in quite a good time. When we first started, I was nervous because the brand awareness for eco products are very low but then suddenly since last year there's lots of media about plastic and sustainable things and suddenly the brand awareness for sustainable products eco-friendly products are ultra high so we kind of hit it in the right time so timing was yeah, we yeah. quite lucky we built it at the right time because we were able to test the ideas in the market and then you know scale the business in a relatively structured way if we'd have started this business in 2019 from scratch, then we wouldn't have had all the, the knowledge and the experience and the supply chain and 
the capital and the team to be able to supply the market demand. So it's, it's, it's quite lucky that we were just a bit ahead of the curve. Yeah, and also the as, as you said, there are a lot of money there uh, for the right business. So I think we are in the right time. If it's yeah, 2008 yeah. when the market was in recession or like a market just crashed, then we wouldn't be able to raise funds so easily. Knowing then what you know now, would you have done it? drum roll and or would you have done anything different well i think if you looked at to where the company is today then of course we would have done it right if you would looked at the amount of capital that was required to be able to build it i probably would have said i'm not sure where that's going to come from I'm not sure how we can fund it because it's a strong concept i would say there's actually lots of investment coming to us rather than we're trying very hard to Find it. Yeah, I mean, there's no green funds or not. Not just that, but even like different business funders go out, spend half of their time to fund money to fund a business, and then only have little time to run their business. But in our case, it's relatively easy. People like the concept. So, we talked about the amount of hours in a day and how it hasn't been easy, and it isn't easy. And you, 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 you talked. Julie, about you know there are still many evenings you know that you know you're working and we know that you had your own little yeah. uh, cheeky panda um, yeah. <laughs> last year when Leo came into the family. So if I was to ask you how you would rate your balance, do you think your balance is better or worse or the same? As life before the cheeky panda. Certainly busier. Don't get as much holiday. <laughs> Chris certainly busier. He only worked less than three hours before. Now he work eight hours. I always work hard and I like to, I just like to work hard. So I kind of enjoy the creation process. Last year when we had Leo, I was still working like one week before I go into the labor. Went through high growth at that period and unfortunately things happen and I have to still keep an eye on things. And even after the was born, we've had I, support from the parents. We so. have support from the parents, yeah. but still, I come back to work quite quickly. In like months, months three, I already come back to work. How did you cope with that? Because lots of businesses, they would have somebody to cover maternity leave, or they would plan it effectively. Yet you two have come into this. You're so both integral in this business, aren't you? We wouldn't have done it if we hadn't had the funding and hadn't been able to build the team. Right. So part of the. The condition of looking to have a child was making sure that it was in a stable place that if Julie had to step out for a while, we could do that. But I think by the time that she was coming back to work, I really needed her back at work. <laughs> and I was like, you know, she is the CEO. It's perfectly honest with you, there's no better person to run the company than Julie because she's so passionate about it. And how was that period for you, Chris? It stretched me, the way that Julie's quite meticulous in attention to detail. You know, I think we were, we were missing some of that. I tend to play off my gut a lot more. Yes. Julie um, tends to analyse it a lot, which, which, which in, in the long term always puts you in a better place. I can get some really quick high wins, but Julie will always get better in the long term. And how was it for you, Julie, while stepping away, but also coming back? And in a relatively short period of time after having had Leah? I think at, at that stage it wasn't possible to completely stay away because our orders increased quite a lot but then we couldn't find the right person so and I sometimes I have to step in to, to help out with some of the stuff even before like one week before I go into 
uh, leave uh, and then Chris just had to make a, a quick decision to hire someone to help out otherwise <laughs> I, I just can't spend all my time to do those because I was physically quite tired at that time mm-hmm. I couldn't completely take my eye off it one month before I went to labor, we were producing our first TV commercial. So I still have to travel to London. We live in Essex. I still have to travel to London to uh, spend time with the film crew and film the first commercial video. I was heavily pregnant, mm-hmm. um, but the crew did look after me and was quite hot as well. It's an enjoyable day, but it was a long day for yes. me when I was eight months pregnant. Yes. Even at that time, I still have to do quite a lot of work. But it's always wild because the TV come out quite good. We got over a million views on YouTube and it's all across the sky. Yeah, yes. I mean, there's different horses for courses is what I kind of say. And that, that, you know, if you wanted the safety of a big company, then you get your maternity leave and you would get your, your nine months and then you would you know, have a, a much easier sort of journey into it. If you're an entrepreneur of a growing business, then you can basically step out of it and let it plateau or you can you know have to sort of get back into it quicker yeah i think some of the stuff is just not possible to physically i just totally step away because things just go completely wrong direction <laughs> we thought it might be okay but it's not <laughs> and i suppose again knowing knowing now after that period is, is there anything that you would have done differently i think the help is definitely important whether it's from the company, from employee staff, or from parents. I have my parents coming to help for six months, and then Chris's parents... So they came to live here? They Your parents came to live here, here from they, China? Yeah, they yeah. with us for six months, and then they were able to spend time with Leo. And then afterwards, Chris's parents come over to help. I was able to go back to work quite quickly. We were able to work eight hours a day. I mean, the thing is, I mean, like you said, you might not have done things, you know, the the same way or you might have had a purple patch. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, this company's had pretty much a record sales month every month for the entire history of its existence. Mm-hmm. So some of the key things that we have now is we're now able to attract really, really strong people that want to work for us. You know, before we would probably have to go out and just try to find who was available. And I think that when you get people that are very motivated to kind of work for you, for your brand and for what you're, what you're doing, it certainly stabilizes things going forward. But we weren't big enough at that time mm-hmm. to have those types of people. So I think that, you know, going forward, it will make it a little bit easier for us. Well, if we were just managing it on a steady growth curve, but we're still hockey sticking. So um, even with the brilliant people that we're taking on, there's still an awful lot of challenges that we're going to have going forward. Exactly, mm-hmm. especially we're going to be global and it's going to be so many challenges. It's going to be hard work, yeah. yeah. What advice would you give to a couplepreneur who are aspiring and setting out on their journey? Make sure that you're compatible in business with each other. <laughs> we got friends of ours that you know we could see as a couple they would do well in business together because they like their best friends and you know they play well with each other and then we have other friends that you know that have probably a more passionate but fiery relationship that you go you should not be in business together you just argue all the time if you've got two very strong people that are always trying to force their view on it then that's not how you run a business so it's i think that know the personalities of yourselves and your partners before realizing if that's the person to go into business with and, and I suppose the other thing is try to do a business plan as well because if you don't plan the sector you're going into then you know you'll be putting unnecessary stress on your relationship and businesses fail when you're in a relationship with someone 
then it can actually break the relationship as well. So, you know, be very, very careful about what you're doing. You know, just on that point then, Chris, how do you make it work and, and how does it work for you? The amount of people that I've met through the years that have built the business as the entrepreneur and then had to get their partner involved and the business has become a lot stronger because of it has been massive. At the end of the day, you can almost kind of rely on that person more than you can of a sort of partner and then you're sort of in that togetherness. So if, you, if you're both bought into the, the concepts and I think then you both complement each other, then I think that's, it's almost going to make it a better business. It's about yin and yang. Yin and yang, yeah. Yes. Tell us more. Chris, before you have better explanation of this. What, the, <laughs> like you know, the, uh, the two halves, and if the two yeah. halves are together, then you're stronger as a whole. Philosophy says yin and yang works. <laughs> and, is, and, is, and so is the yin and the yang working perfectly in this couple for no relationship, yeah, in definitely. your view? Yeah, definitely. Okay. For lots of people, do you say, I mean, some people have done personality profiling so that they can see they know each other, they've met as a couple and they've fallen in love and they've got married or they've lived together. You know, there have been several couples that have said, well, we've just done some, you know, whether it's Myers-Briggs or other different personality profiling, so we can see <laughs> oh, yeah, we do that. where we fit. Uh, maybe you can have a, like, a dating section in, in couplepreneur, just, and then someone can post their idea and find a partner who can help them. People have said, you know, oh, oh, if I'm looking for a co-founder, you know, I'd, I'd like a partner and a couplepreneur, and I'm thinking, hey, I've got enough going on. Okay, I have been wondering about the fact that two people that live together, that have fallen in love and know each other intimately and have come together in a business. I just wonder about your mental strength and resilience, but I just wonder about the mental health of a founder as an entrepreneur versus two co-founders versus a couplepreneur. And I just wanted to get your view of, you know, your mental strength in having each other. I think we're both quite strong individuals and it's certainly less lonely doing it with a partner than if you were just carrying it all on your own shoulders and it certainly allows you to discuss some people say don't take your work home with you and stuff like that but when you're living in the same business with each other you know you're, you're constantly talking about it it's almost like sometimes there's not an off switch especially when it goes like what become more intense and there's more things to do then yeah sometimes you have to discuss it at home as well yeah but we're both quite into business so we yeah. don't have the problem with we that. We kind of enjoy it. We kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's like a hobby for us as well. <laughs> okay, so it's okay to talk about it at home? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah we're cool. And does it just permeate through every aspect of home life? Can it at um, times? Or? We have Leo, which is quite an entertainment. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of pandas in the house. And there's lots of pandas <laughs> in the house. He loves pandas. Okay, that's good. Which is handy. That's think, handy. Yes. What I'm trying to do now, before I, I work in the evenings and things, I still work in the evenings, but what I'm trying to do now is to leave my work laptop at office so when I go home, I can spend time with Leo. And then when he go to sleep, I can probably work for another hour or so. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I do. I think in the information age, you're always going to be getting emails through at all times. Yeah. Right, right? So it doesn't matter if you're technically not in the workplace, you're probably still working on some level. And I'm an early person, so my brain functions well from sort of like seven till about six. And then it kind of sort of shuts down. But I'm finding social, and Julie's slightly different. She's not so much an early morning person. She, she works kind of bit later which kind of sort of means that we dovetail quite well in that regard yeah. as well when 
it's all quiet at night, everyone sleep, I can think. Mm -hmm. I think I, I find that it's perfect time to think. It's not so much in the morning. <laughs> okay. Especially the wakes me up quite early every day. Yes. Yeah. And in terms of sort of switching off and having what I like to call a safe place, do either of you have a safe place, be that on your own or together, where you can either go physically or spiritually to have time to refresh and to potentially slow down? Before I quite like exercise, but then since I had Leo and we've been busy so I've not been doing it, we need to get back to... Yeah, there's, listen, there's, there's a natural balance and having a few more breaks um, is welcome, I think. We're not really dropping our quality of life, we still eat quite well. Yeah, we still, you know, um, we still we go still out to nice places, out. just could be a little bit healthier, I guess. Generally, we're quite happy with our lives. So, as two people that are in their fifth or their fourth and fifth decades, is that right? Yeah, so you're 38 and I'm 43. What would you tell your 21 year old selves? Um, <laughs> maybe learn some accounting skills a bit early. <laughs> You're really thinking now, Julie. I was always quite confident at 21, so I certainly lived the life I wanted to live at that age. So um. <laughs> He's party a lot <laughs> in his 20s. So what are you saying, Chris? I wouldn't change a moment. That you're going on an accountancy course. <laughs> and actually, even though Leo is just going to be one in September, September, yeah. in September, one of the themes that is coming out of talking to lots of couplepreneur businesses is that the children of couplepreneurs are very brand savvy and are really quite commercially minded. And I just wanted to just get your views on that. My view in it is that the apple never falls too far from the tree. <laughs> if the kid's surrounded by certain behaviours, then they're going to pick up and adopt those behaviours themselves. So it's, it's a little bit of nature and nurture. Leo is very smart. He can understand Chinese. Okay. <laughs> so, he's a bit, a bit early for a nine to tell when a nine-month-old, you know, whether yeah. he's going to be an entrepreneur or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's certainly smart and he's going to be bilingual. All I want is him to be happy, so have a good personality, and then I don't think it's the rest of it. The rest really. is just not important because mm. uh, if he's happy, if he he's, he's quite good looking, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't worry about him. <laughs> and so finally, just I know we talked earlier about the business and you know what does the future hold and you mentioned listing and you mentioned kind of going global so three and a half years in you know you've gone from you were saying turning over sort of ten thousand pounds a month to now about two hundred thousand pounds a month yeah it's like 250. yeah two to two fifty so that's phenomenal growth as you said in three and a half years so what is your vision for kind of the next sort of three and a half years watch the space this company potentially is a billion pound company, so we think we've got the right advisors and the tools around us to achieve that. Okay, Julie? We will be global. We are already global. We export in 22 countries now, but we will be even more global. And we will be an important player in this field, in this natural, organic, sustainable space. If we can inspire others to create green, sustainable products, then you know, the world's got a better future and if, you know, if, if we keep doing the same things that we're doing today for the next 15 years, then 
the world's going to end up in a bit of a mess and that's not good for our kids or future generations. So we've got a bit of a responsibility to sort of lead the way at this pivotal time. So that's kind of one of the things that we can do. But the only way we can really do that is by doing scale. Everything we do, saves all trees, the products saves we carbon, do is reducing is, plastic. Is based on bamboo is we're trying to reduce plastic as much as possible. So we have a plastic-free pocket tissue coming to the market soon. So we're trying to switch everything to a more sustainable solution. The bigger we are, the more impact we can bring to the world. That's what really led to us to work harder. Yeah, because technically you could, you could sell it now and you know, we both have enough money to live for the rest of our life without having to worry about money. But the reason for us wanting to push on for like another three and a half or five years or 10 years or whatever it is, is we know we can make a difference. So we want to try and achieve that. And incredible to see, I think, the brand awareness that's out there in the last three and a half years mm-hmm. and the fact that you're in 22 markets and the product extension has gone from toilet paper to tissues to kitchen roll to, you know, just to pocket tissues to just all sorts of baby things. Wipes. To baby yeah. wipes. Yeah. So and, and it's all, been phenomenal. Yeah, and all, all the wipes have got plastic in them. So then you're flushing the wipes down the toilet and then all the plastic ends up in the rivers and it's just a mess. And like, you know, what we've got is we've got like 100% bamboo biodegradable wipes and it's kind of like, why are they doing that other stuff? You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, if we can help change the category in a more positive way, then we're doing everyone a favour. Okay, brilliant. Thank you hugely for your time. And it's been incredible to witness and to follow this journey of yours and we wish you huge continued success thanks patricia thank you thank you